I want you to join with me in welcoming him to the platform as he shares the word. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, sir. Praise God. Thank you for that welcome. Oh, I'm glad you're here tonight. You Saturday night Christian. Praise God. It is Saturday, is that right? All right, this, I'm in the right place then. Praise the Lord. You ready for some good things from the Word tonight? Man, I believe you're ready. I want you to say it out loud. I'm ready. I'm going to borrow something from Chip Brim. I was born ready. Come on, say it out loud. I was born ready. Glory to God. What are you ready for? You're ready for God to do what he does. Amen. All right, go ahead and be seated. Praise the Lord. Thank God. Well, I'm glad you showed up tonight. Praise the Lord. You know, it's funny how that works. You decide to come, and then it works. There's people still trying to get here. You know, I think I'll try to go. That, that doesn't work out as well. You just make a choice. I'm gone. This is what I'm doing. Then nothing changes it. Praise the Lord. So I, that's what you did. I'm glad you're here. How many of you were here last night? How many of you got something good out of this last night? How many of you remember anything about last night? <laughs> what did God say to you? Somebody, tell me what God said to you last night. You personally. What was it that went off? Say it again. Be strong and courageous. That's a good word right out of the Bible. Arlene, what did God tell you? Go to the other side. Praise God. That's strong, isn't it? How many of you crossed the river last night, so to speak? That, you know, that was the metaphor we were talking about. Anybody else? Who else got something last night? Yeah, right here. Yeah, yeah, that courage is just rising right back up to the top. Glory to God. I love that. Who else? Somebody else had a hand up somewhere over here. Say it again. Break through the barrier like that sound barrier. Even if you vibrate on your way through. Praise God. That's great. Amen. You know, if you weren't here, but even if you were, let me just remind you of what, what we really started looking at. And, and it really came up in my spirit, really in coming to this, this weekend here that this is very much for all of us, and not only local, but all over uh, the body of Christ. This is a major time for transition, and it is a major time for restoration. God restoring. He's restoring us to things that we've lost so we can regain ground, maybe that has been lost, but He's also restoring us to things we've never, ever seen before. That's God's concept of restoration. Not back to where we once were, but back to where he has always seen us in our life and, and, and being born of the Spirit of God. So it's, it's a major time for transition and restoration. That's really the word that God put inside me. That's going to translate a lot of different ways for people. I don't know specifics of what that will mean to you exactly. You know, in our households, in our families, there's transition that oftentimes has to happen in relationships and in business or in our, in our own soul, in our own mind. There is some restoration that oftentimes just has to happen, that God would restore or put back or mend or uh, refuse together things that have been torn apart one way or the other. Restoration. And so, in looking at those ideas, God really took me to the life of that great leader, one of the greatest leaders to ever actually lead the nation of Israel in Scripture, and that was Joshua. Joshua, Moses' assistant, the man that uh, saw the most dramatic things that God did and he did it through Moses, but then once Moses was finished, once his time was over, his leadership was done, everything God was going to do through Moses had been completed, it was time for Joshua to rise up. And that's really what we started seeing last night, that we can and have to rise up if we're going to get across into places God wants us. 
And that's what transition was for them. They had to get into a place, that land of promise we've heard about ever since we've been a believer, that land of milk and honey that God spoke to Israel and the leaders and the forefathers of that nation, that God had a place for them. You know, that God still has a place for them. Now, don't get me started on that. But God still has a place for them. The same place that God gave them still belongs to them. And there's just not going to be a political or some sort of driving them into the sea that is actually ever going to work. Never has, and it just never will. And so in the middle of all of this current crisis time, one of the things Satan would love to be able to do is to change your focus and mine and get us over onto that fear side of life, fearing what's coming on us in these days and what's happening around us, fearing the political climate or fearing the social climate. You know, and there's, I mean, if you really think about it and, and pay a lot of attention to it, there's a whole lot of things you could be fearful of. You know, and I've said this often, I've probably said it here before, you know, if you are the worrying kind, I mean, if you are given to worry, you know, these are great days for you because you have so many options of things to worry about. I mean, serious stuff. If you're that kind, now the Bible doesn't tell us to do that. In fact, the Bible tells us not to. He says, fear not all through Scripture. Don't be afraid. And that's what worry really is. It, is. it is one brand of fear or another. And we just dub some lighter weight worries as, or fears as worry. But uh, it's just all fear. And when God said fear not, that includes things that are going on around us right now. Politically, financially, I mean, goodness gracious, if you wanted to worry, you could worry about the economy. Good night. Even, even here in the good economy of Canada. <laughs> it was just two amens on that. But, uh... <laughs> but you could worry about diseases. You could worry about uh, politics. You could worry about the racial tensions. You could worry about all of the... Islamic tension and, and things that are going on. But you know, this isn't new. These things aren't, uh, aren't just now started. These things have been going on all along. I mean, God even spoke about how, the, how Ishmael and his descendants, they would fight all the days of their life. Well, hey, <laughs> it's right there in Genesis and here we are. So it, to fear these things is to believe that God is either unaware or incapable of handling the times. Now, nobody in this audience is that foolish. We don't believe God is unaware and we sure don't believe he can't handle things. So here's where we, do, here's, here's our position. We just put ourselves in a position of faith and trust. That's right. Come on now. That God's given us his word that he'd lead us and we, he'd guide us. Yes. That we'll, we'll be able to follow him and he has us in the palm of his hand. He's committed to taking care of us if we'll walk with him. Glory to God. So it uh, almost sounds Pollyanna to some, but in the end, everything's going to be all right. Glory to God. Man, I'm glad I brought that up. But here's what we're going to find out. We're going to look at this further tonight. I told you a little bit last night where we would go tonight. And when we're talking about transition, we're talking about restoration, we're talking about gaining ground, moving into the things God's called each of us to do. You know, God's got a calling on each person in this audience. Callings are not really, I mean, we, we talk about it typically in the light of a pastor or a minister or a clergy of some type, that that clergyman has a calling. But, you know, really, the concept is for every believer in the body of Christ, that each person has an assignment that God has. A, he has divine, uh, a divine plan for a, every single one. And we are discovering and unwrapping those plans all through our life. Yes, yes. 
It's, it's kind of amazing. God doesn't seem to unfold the whole thing in detail. He gives you bits and pieces. He can show you a lot, a lot down the road, but he doesn't show a lot of the road to get you there. Not all at once. Kind of like driving at night. You know the road's ahead of you. You know the destination, but you only see, you know, not all that far. But you just keep going at high speed anyway. <laughs> yeah, come on. I, I've seen some of y'all drive. So what we find as, as this picture we're using and what God took me to in the life of Joshua is that it was not enough to just get across the Jordan River into the land of promise. It's really not enough. I mean, it's good to be in the land. It's good to be on the correct side of the river. It's, it's good to be where God wants you. But God didn't just want them to park there. He wanted them to possess what was there. And what happens for a lot of Christians is they are introduced to Christ. They come to know Jesus. There's the relief that comes into a person's life, man, because they've made Jesus Lord. And so many things have just been liberated and straightened out on the inside. And there's that that confidence and that joy that I belong to God. I'm in the land that God wanted. But that's really not the total picture. It's not just getting in. It's becoming fruitful. It's developing in Christ where there is a life of faith and a life of victory and a life of winning and a life of seeing Things in our life change for the better on an ongoing basis. You know, I've been walking this, this way and walking with God since 1971. If you do the math, that's been a while. At least it has for me, 44 years. Woo! Gosh, just bringing that up. I'm not sure that was a good idea. But um, <laughs> here's what you find, though. Here's what I found. I found even... After 44 years and seeing so many great victories and so many things change and so many powerful things that God's done, I still find this. I still find that God is still drilling down in me to see some things modified, changed. There's still work being done. 44 years. You'd think you'd make some progress in 44 years. Well, I have. But God keeps drilling down. Glory to God. And uh, do you know what I mean by that? He keeps digging in. He keeps prying. Because there are, there are issues and things that God wants us to be so liberated from. And every one of us end up dealing with things from one angle or another that have been like obstacles and barriers to us really finding the best that God has for us. That's why we're talking about these things tonight. It's because there's some breakthroughs that God said he would bring into your life. And you have yet to see that breakthrough really come about. And there's some things that can happen by the Spirit of God in the next few minutes that will actually make a big, big impact on that breakthrough really coming. You know what I'm talking about. Once Joshua and Israel got across that Jordan River and got into this land of Canaan, really, the land of promise, they could see across the valley and they could see the first real major city that they came across, and that would be the city of Jericho. city of Jericho was not really a great big city. In fact, you could, you could walk around the outside, the circumference of that city in about an hour. So it wasn't the size of the city that really was going to be an issue for Israel. It was the size of the walls that protected that city. Jericho was known for the walls. Now, all the cities had 
protection and they had a fortress type situation in those days. That's how the kingdoms would exist. They absolutely had to have some, uh, some walls of some type. But the walls of Jericho, they were far more formidable than any of the other cities or kingdoms that Israel would deal with. And isn't it interesting that one of the one of the cities with the biggest walls is the very first thing they're going to have to tackle. It's the very first thing that they're going to come across. You see, God doesn't need to warm up to finally kind of work his way up to where we can handle something a little bigger next time. No, no, no. God is fine to handle whatever the issue is. You know he is. And God spoke to Joshua one day in a very dramatic way. Joshua wasn't in prayer, he wasn't uh, fasting, he wasn't even really seeking necessarily, even though he was, you know, being used by God and led by God, but something dramatic happened. I want to read it to you because this set the stage for what he would then hear in direction. And the direction God gave Joshua, you're going you're gonna to see it. It's going to be very clearly direction that he gives to you. He gives it to all of us. Watch this, though. Before he got that direction, in chapter 5 of the book of Joshua, I'm going to jump in in verse 13. It came to pass that when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us? Or are you our adversary? I don't know in your Bible how yours reads, but my Bible has the word man capitalized. Does this one? Yeah, it sure does. The, the word man is capitalized. The word his, his, and him, and him. It's all capitalized. And of course, the translators had a lot to do with what got capitalized. And yet I believe this is exactly accurate because that capitalization is telling us that this isn't just any man that Joshua was talking to. This is God himself that, God, that Joshua was talking to. And you can see it in the response in the very next verse, verse 14. So he said, this man said, No, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. This is the commander. This is Jesus. The commander of the armies. And I realize there's some places in Scripture that people have thought this was a visitation or a, uh, a Jesus before the New Testament. And not all of them are, but I'm thoroughly convinced that this one is because he introduced himself and described who he was, the commander of the armies. Glory to God. And notice he had his sword in his hand. When Joshua asked him this question, are you for us or are you our adversary? His response seems a little odd because he just said no. No what? No, I'm not this or no, I'm not that. No, it's no, you have asked the wrong question. The question is not, who am I for? The question is, who are you for? Are you for me? Because that's who he's drawn his sword in order to fight for. The one that he fights for is the one who is for him. You see, sometimes people want God to do things in their life and deliver them from things that they're really not against. They want God's help, but they don't want His correction. They want His involvement as long as it doesn't involve them. God, are you for me? Are you going to help me? Are you going to show up? Are you going to be there for me? That's the wrong question. The question is, who are, who are we for? 
Are we for his way of doing things? You know, there's an interesting concept that the Apostle Paul talks about. He talks about how the Holy Spirit will intercede for us. And he says in Romans 8 that the Spirit helps us in our infirmities. You remember this? All right, turn in your Bible over to Romans 8. Let's just read it. Not in my notes, so I have to open my Bible. Romans chapter 8. He's talking about the Spirit of God. In verse 26, he said, Likewise, the Spirit helps our weaknesses. Helps our weaknesses. Now, that little word helps, and this, is, uh, this just jumped up in my spirit when I, when I read this about how the Lord answered Joshua. Because when the Apostle Paul said, the Spirit of God will help our weakness, here we've got the commander of the Lord's army there to help Joshua as long as Joshua is on the Lord's side. So you follow the connection here. But here the Apostle Paul gives us this insight as New Testament believers. Here's the, here's the concept. The Spirit of God will help us in our infirmity. But that little word helps. You've studied it before. Many of you have. But it is a, a long Greek word. Now look, I learned right here in this church that it is not wise for me to try to pronounce Greek words. So we are just not even going to get into pronunciations. <laughs> and I've told that all over the world. <laughs> but this little word helps is from a Greek word. In the Greek language, the little bit I do know is, is notorious for sticking words together and creating other words. This is a three-part word that I'm not about to pronounce. But it has three components, three parts to this word. It's a compound word with three parts. And the first part of it, it is really to take hold of something, to grab hold. The second part of this word is to be in harmony together. The third part of this word, and this is real key to this, it is to be vehemently against something. And when you put all that together, you jam it together into this one extremely long Greek word, you come up with helps. I don't know, I just, it's, it's always shocking to me how they came up with helps. The Spirit of God helps us in our infirmities or in our weaknesses. He helps us. He takes hold, listen to this, He takes hold together with us against our weaknesses. Here's the key thing. You have to be against that. If you're not against it, there's nothing for Him to take hold together with. And so we have many times people that feel they're not getting the help to deal with whatever issues going on for them. Uh, they're not getting the help. God, I need your help. Where is your help? He takes hold together with us when we're against those weaknesses, against infirmities, against the things that are against us. That's the concept that Joshua was really hearing when the Lord said, no. Are you for me or against me? The Lord just said, no. That's not what this is about. It's about you being for what I'm for. And you being against what I'm against. And so that helps us to just get some clarity Maybe clarity on why we haven't gotten the kind of help that we wanted or needed. But also how to remedy that. 
the thing that has been plaguing your life, the addiction, the fear, the anger issue, the whatever's going on, instead of excusing it or justifying it or saying that's just, you know, it's just the way I've been or it's because of the way I was raised or it was that Sunday school teacher I had and when I was, you know, seven and they just, just terrified me and or whatever it is that we've used to excuse away our current condition, it's time to turn against it. It's time to just take inventory and turn against it. Now, look, that doesn't mean... Now, in this case, of course, we, we see God, uh, Jesus, standing there with a sword in his hand. I mean, that's pretty threatening. But the point of this is not that God is looking to hammer us over the weaknesses that we've had. He's never been that way. He knows us inside and out. My goodness, he knows what's going on, how we got here, why we're in the situation we're in. This isn't news to him. So he's drawing us and giving us instruction, encouragement, direction, rebuke if that's what it's going to take to get us to turn against the things that are destroying or undermining our life. You've got to be against it. But when we are, he said he would take hold together with you. He'll grab hold of it with you and, and be against it with all of his might. Now we're not alone in this. We're not trying to fight our way out of something just by ourselves. We have Holy Spirit, divine strength to see it through to the end. Amen? So here's Joshua. He's talking to the Lord. And he fell on his face, verse 14 again. And he worshiped the Lord and he said, What does my Lord say to his servant? The commander of the army of the Lord said to Joshua, Take your sandal off of your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. You know, Joshua had heard all of his life with Moses about that time when Moses was in a very similar situation. When Moses, out in that desert saw that bush that was burning but wouldn't be consumed. And God spoke to him out of that bush. It was no doubt the most dramatic moment in Moses' life. Now there was a lot of dramatic moments for Moses. That had to rank up there really high. But now Joshua's not, not just having to remember an experience that Moses had, that he heard about. Suddenly, he's in the very presence of the same God. Take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. Whew. So he complied. And in the very next verse, chapter 6 and verse 1, the Lord begins to give Joshua and give us some really powerful light on how things will change. Watch what he does. In verse 1 it says, Now Jericho was securely shut up because the children of Israel, because of the children of Israel, none went out and none came in. Now watch what God says. The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand. It's king and the mighty men of valor. The very first thing that God instructs Joshua and us to do is to see this current situation from the right perspective. Yes. You've got to see something that you cannot see. You've got to see past the way it looks to you right this minute. He's looking at Jericho when God says, I've given you this city and I want you to see this. I want you to see that 
you not only conquer this city, you conquer this king and all of the mighty men of valor that are there. I want you to see this. Again, that's God telling us the end result of something before we've even started it. You see, God's finished things that you haven't started yet. He's already designed the end for something that hasn't begun for you. See, this is the crazy thing about eternity, and, and this, is, this gets bizarre. Now, let me just give you a moment of this, because eternity is timeless. I mean, that makes sense. You understand that. Eternity is time. Time is part of creation. Time is inside of eternity, but time is not eternal. Time is ticking away. The moment we step out of our natural body, we are outside of time. Time doesn't exist. I mean, it's, it's strange because eternity surely had to start somewhere. Surely God began somewhere. And, and yet he didn't. <laughs> you know, and so you're stuck because your brain just doesn't have it. Uh, your brain is completely tied into time. But our heart, in our inner man, we understand eternity. You can't describe it, but you get it. Doesn't have to have started. It just is. And so when God tells us to see certain things, we do have to see it with the eyes of our inner man. Because there's always contradicting evidence. There's always, always something that's going to tell you that God's promise isn't going to work or you're never going to see this change or this is impossible. But here's what we know about the kingdom of God. God knows how to deal with impossible. And here's what Jesus said. He said, all things are possible. All things. Say it out loud, all things. You know, that includes like all things. How deep is that? All things are possible, but all things are not possible to everybody. That's right. Come on now. And that's where people kind of get uh, tripped up. Well, if all things are possible, Dennis, why, uh, why uh, isn't this thing changing for me? Well, it's, it's not just that all things are possible for everybody. All things are not possible for everybody. You know, I'd like to say that everybody in this audience is going to see God's miracle power work on their behalf and turn their situation around. And I do say things like that because I'm assuming the very best for you, and that is this, that you are a believer. All things are possible to them that believe. That's what Jesus said. And so what we believe does matter. What we choose to believe makes a difference. It links us, connects us to the kinds of things God wants to do. And in order to exercise that or move in that direction, here's what he tells you to do. He said, I want you to see this the way I see it. That's what a believer does. This is what was going to make a difference for Joshua, but it makes a difference for us. It makes a difference because we choose to see things that you just can't see yet. We're not talking fantasy. We're not talking about playing a game. We're talking about something that's creative, the way God designed it. Something that's real in the spirit, in eternity, that we literally have the capacity by seeing these things and believing what God has said, not just something we dream up, believing something God has said. But when we choose to believe that, it's, it's literally reaching into eternity, into the realm of the Spirit, and pulling things into this natural time situation we're in. He said, I want you to see something, and by seeing it, you lock on to it. And you begin to pull it into your experience. He said, I want you to see this. 
I've given you Jericho. But he said, I want you to see this. I've given you healing. I've given you prosperity. I've given you freedom from those past problems. They don't have to be like a millstone around your neck. But he said, I want you to see this. That's really the deal, isn't it? It's what we choose to focus our attention on, what we choose to to see. I've used this example many times. I'm sure I've used it here before, but it fits right now, and you probably don't remember it anyway, so I'll just go ahead and give it to you. I know, that was cold. But you possibly weren't here last time is what I really mean. But on that score of what we see and what we lock on to, I had a conversation years ago with a friend of mine. He's a multi-level black belt in several things, karate among those things. And, and so, uh, you know, he's been an instructor and done lots of different events and demonstrations of all this kind of thing also. And so we were talking about that particular part of it one day. He said, you know, sometimes I'll go to a, you know, an event, a fair or a, a school or something, and I'll demonstrate breaking a stack of bricks and doing a few different things. And, and uh, so we got to talking specifically about breaking a stack of bricks. He said they'd stack them maybe 10 high. And, and uh, then he said, Dennis, you know, with one blow, I'm going to break all 10 of these. And he said, here's the thing, Dennis. He said, there's three things that are really important before I'm going to do this. Number one is, I, though I've done it before, I have to know that I can do this today. Something has to be settled that I'm, I'm ready for this. The second thing that's important, of course, is, you know, you got to know the technique. <laughs> you know, you can, a lot of people can hit a stack of bricks and something's going to break, but it, it, it may not be the bricks. you gotta, you got to know enough about what you're doing. But then he said this. He said once, you know, those little things are resolved. That doesn't take long. He said... Uh, I measure out. I just measure the distance. I know where I'm going to strike that brick. And he said, once I've settled that, I focus on a point. Actually, he said, beneath the floor, right under those bricks. And then he made this statement to me, and it changed so many things for me. And it verified so many things for me because this is how he said it. He said, once I've focused beneath the floor, my energy will carry me to the point of my focus. I said, now that is how the kingdom of God works. That's what faith does. Faith sees, and to use his example, focuses on a point that is beyond the obstacle In this case of Joshua, the wall, the threat, focuses on a point or a place beyond the fear or beyond the heartache or beyond the brokenness or beyond the disease, focuses on a place and the power of the Holy Spirit within us will carry us to the point of our focus. And here's what it means. This is what it meant to him. When he hit that stack of bricks, those bricks were not going to stop him from reaching the point of his focus. That's exactly what faith has the capacity to do on a much bigger scale than bricks. I'm not sure on the scheme of life how important breaking a stack of bricks might be to you. But there are some things in life That they need to be destroyed. They need the power of God. The anointing that comes to destroy or break yokes and destroy those yokes. That Satan's had in our life. Mm -hmm. This is exactly that concept. He said, I want you to see something. See that I've already given you Jericho. There it stood It didn't look any different. It looked as threatening and formidable as ever. And yet, 
God is telling him how to see this. This is what God's telling you and me. This is how we make transition and move from where we are. This is how we find restoration, deliverance from things that have been holding us back or things that have been preventing us from our progress. He said, I want you to see that I've given Jericho into your hand. It's king and it's mighty men of valor. And then in the next verse, now watch as this goes on, because this is, this is bizarre, really, in my opinion. He said, you'll march around the city, all you men of war, and you shall go around the city once, and you'll do this for six days. He went on to describe how this would go. We don't have to read all of it right this moment, but he described in some detail what was to happen. They would march around the city as we read. They'd do that for six days. They would do it in a specific order. He gave them the order. There would be men of war that would go out. There would be praisers and singers. There would, they would carry the Ark of the Covenant around, and they would march around the city one time. It would take about an hour. And then they were done for the day. Done for the day. I don't know if the warriors going out to battle were all that excited about this, this approach. Because they go out to fight, there's no fighting going on. At least not the kind of fighting they were thinking. No, they'd march around the city one time and then they were done for the day. And then they'd come back the next day and they'd do the same thing the second day, the third day, the fourth day, through the sixth day. Another detail was that as they were marching around this city, they were to do this in silence. There was no talking. Now that in itself had to be a supernatural thing to actually have that happen. We got a lot of people out here. No talking. Wow. Then on the seventh day, God described to Joshua what would happen on the seventh day. On the seventh day, you'll march around seven times. Oh, this is going to be a full day, this one. Seven times. We're talking about if it's an hour or so around the city, maybe it gets a little slower by the sixth and seventh time. We're talking about an eight-hour day of marching in silence. And then they were to blow the trumpets, those wild ram's horns, and then shout a shout of victory. And God said the walls would come down. I've given you this city. That has got to be the most unusual battle strategy in the history of war. I've never heard of anything close to this. But you know, oftentimes God has a different way of doing things than the way we would really reason it out. As a matter of fact, just about every single thing you can imagine God would come up with, His way of doing it is going to be real different from yours. Sometimes we just think if we just did this, 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 and this, this is going to solve this problem. God, here's the plan. So we like to give God the plan and help him know what we're going to do. I think Jesse Duplantis has one of the greatest stories in his own, in his own ministry of that exact idea. He was getting on television, and, 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 and at this point he's on television many, many places all over the world. But in the early days when he was starting to get on television, he was already pretty well into it. And uh, he decided that he wanted to do something just in the United States, even though he's doing things elsewhere also. But he wanted to get on television on every single station, everywhere in the entire country, the same hour, at the same time, so that if somebody had their television on, it did not matter where they went. They were going to get Jesse. They could not escape. He had his staff do the research. How many stations are there in the United States? Big ones, little ones. How many stations are there? There's a lot of stations. And he said, I want you to do just a preliminary. You don't have to call all of them or get all the prices, but I want you to do a preliminary estimate of how much 
this is going to cost for that one hour on every station in the entire nation. It was astronomical. He had them printed all out. It's been a while ago. They printed it all out. And he said, I went to prayer. He said, I actually kind of got a little dressed up because we're going to have a presentation here. And he said, I got all my, all my research that staff had done on everything about this project. And he said, and I went to prayer. And I brought my paperwork. I brought my numbers. Lord, I want to go on every station. And he just laid it out in prayer. He said, these are the stations. This is the price. Lord, I'm asking you that this that you would bless this and this is what we got to do. I'm going to believe you for this to happen. And he said this. The Lord spoke to Jesse just right after that. He was still standing there with all of his goodies, I guess. And the Lord said, Jesse, this is a marvelous plan that you have here. This is really an amazing plan that you have. You've done a great deal of work on this plan. It's a, it's a great plan. Now, we're not going to use this plan, but it is, it is truly a good plan. <laughs> no need to finish any of this meeting that we're having with the Lord. We're not using the plan. Doesn't that depict how a lot of it goes for a lot of us? We just come up with the way it probably should go. This is what probably should happen. These people should do that. These people should do this. And then somebody's going to give that. And then we're going to go over here. And then we're going to say this, that, and the next thing. And man, it's going to all be solved. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and you can even write it out. Outline it. We're not going to use this plan. I don't know if Joshua had any kind of plan. Scripture doesn't tell us that he did. But whatever it was, I'm confident it wasn't this. This was not the plan Joshua would have had. March around the city. But now, here's the thing that comes to mind. Marching around the city, every time they went around the wall, there were some things that could have happened that didn't happen. You know, it seems to me that it would be helpful if we were to see progress in the things that we're praying about. But I think in my years of, of walking things out, I found that you just don't really always see progress over the things that you want to see changed and the things you're praying and, and trusting God for. You just don't always see progress. Every time they went around the city, they saw no change whatsoever, nothing. The wall didn't move. There wasn't a new crack in the wall. There's nothing. It, it stayed exactly the same. They walked around six days around that wall. You got to learn something from this, and there's a lot to be learned, but we got to learn that you cannot look at the wall to determine what is really going on here. All we see is the wall, but you can't look at the wall. You circle the wall, and you circle it with praise in your mouth. But you're not looking at the wall while you're doing it. Because you know it's, what it's doing. It's talking to you. It's showing you just how strong it is, how long it's been there, how immovable and unchangeable it is, and how futile your thoughts of this ever-changing really are. Oh, it's talking to you every lap. You keep looking at the wall. And you begin to wilt. Don't wilt at the wall. You march around. And do you follow what I'm talking about? Your wall. Whatever your wall is. You march around it. You circle it with praise. You circle it with seeing past the, the wall being in front of you. Glorifying God. Instead of letting that wall keep talking to you. Your weakness keep talking to you. Your failures keep talking to you. Your lack. Your financial struggle or whatever is going on it's talking to us all the time but right now man we're in war and something's going to give 
And it's not going to be me. You circle the wall. You don't want to quit on the fifth time. You sure don't want to quit on the sixth time. But they circled the wall 13 times. You don't want to quit on nine. You don't want to quit on 10. But here's the deal. You get up 9, 10, 11, 12 times around the wall and nothing has changed. You got to know what you're doing. Now, I think if it was me, and I really had set all this up if it was me, I think there's something that could have been done to kind of encourage them along the way. It seems to me that if if maybe on that first day, that first lap, if the wall had just dropped maybe a foot, you know, <laughs> just maybe a foot, that would have been helpful. I think it really would have been a, an encouragement. Oh, well, it isn't down, but it's on its way down. Look at there. It's a foot shorter than it was. And the next day, it's come down maybe another foot even. It's a big wall. I think that would have been encouraging. But you see, God just has a different way of doing things. He apparently isn't concerned with you being encouraged along the way at every moment. What he is interested in is you seeing what he has said. Because that's how faith really works. Oh yeah, we'd like somebody to encourage us. It'd be great to have somebody patting us on the back along the way and say, you're going to make it, you're going to make it, you're going to make it. It feels good. But you don't always get that. In fact, I venture to say you seldom get that. In fact, it's highly possible you never get that. And so you got to decide what, what result are you really in this to attain? God had set the stage for Joshua. Joshua was settled how this was going to end. Now, it's interesting. Joshua never did really tell the others how many times they were going to go around that wall. He didn't tell them in the beginning how, how many times this was going to happen. They had to just trust and follow. And they did. But you know what happened? They went around 13 times and nothing had changed. But things were about to change. So where we're at right now is what brings walls down in our life is how we handle things from the time we embrace the promise until the time that we stand on a crumbled wall. How are you handling what is needed here? Let me read something to you from the book of Hebrews that I think defines exactly the issue. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35, he said, Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Verse 36, for you have need of endurance, perseverance. What some translations translate as patience. You have need of patience or endurance. Now watch this, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Do you know what that, that really hints at, that statement? After you've done the will of God, you receive the promise. He said, you have need of endurance so that you receive the promise after you've done the will of God. Is it possible that that also gives us this concept that you can have done the will of God, but without endurance, you still will not receive the promise. Oh, yeah, that's exactly what he said. So we've got people that are doing a lot of the right things, but they're not seeing. They're not believing what God said. They're not circling the wall. They're staring at the wall. They're touching the wall. They're rubbing the wall. They're leaning on the wall. But they're not circling the wall. And they have wilted. And though they've done things in their life that would be God's will, 
They may be church-going people. They love Jesus. And yet they're not receiving because they have not done what he described in Hebrews as they haven't endured. Or they haven't been, as some translations translate, they haven't been patient. You see, biblical patience is a little different from the way we typically use that word. You use the word patience, you say, you know, just be patient. You know, I mean, just quit nagging me. Just be patient. You know, relax. But really, God's point of view regarding patience and the way this word works out is not really entirely that idea. What it also really has a lot to do with is remaining consistent, staying the same when things are not changing as they should. That's what God was telling them with uh, Joshua's situation at the wall. You got to stay the same. You got to keep seeing what I've told you to see. And you know that what I've said is really true. This wall is coming down. But you know, it's been here all six days that we've been marching around this wall. It's been here all day on, on this, this last day as we're marching around this wall. Nothing has changed. But patience or endurance does not let go of what God said even when the wall has remained. Now this isn't a game that God wants us to play to just say, you know, uh, just go ahead and believe and, and uh, it may never change, but you just go ahead and believe anyway. Now this is really designed to bring a specific end. And we have to see what that is. And that's why we go to the promise of God and find it. You find what God said about your situation. You find what he said about your health, for example. You find that by his stripes, you were healed. That's how God sees it. And he said, now I want you to see that I've given you the city, the king, the mighty men of valor. I've given you the healing, the deliverance, the long life, the end result. You keep seeing it, stay locked onto it, and refuse to let circumstances or the wall remaining as it's been right this minute, just because it's there on the 12th time around, just because you don't see that there is progress, just because it appears that God is doing nothing, that doesn't mean that nothing's happening. Come on now. Come on now. So I'm here to tell you something that maybe you've heard before, but God brought me here all the way from Texas to announce to you, child of God, the wall is coming down. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That wall is coming down. It cannot resist the promise of God. It just can't. It can't stand against what God said would come about. Say, but Dennis, I, I can't see it. Exactly. That's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, but Dennis, I, I don't understand. And Exactly. That is exactly the truth. And I believe every word of it. You can't see it. You don't understand it. And as long as you can't see it and don't understand it, then you just get to have that wall as long as it'll stand. Now, that's not good news. You see, but... Nobody can change that position for you. I can't see it. Well, let me modify that for you just a little bit because the real truth is that you can, but you don't. You can see it. We can. If God designed us this way, we can. God doesn't give us instruction to frustrate us knowing that we couldn't possibly do it anyway. Oh, yes, you can see. You don't see, but you can see. Oh, yeah, you don't understand, and you've, you've detailed the two major problems that's going on for you. you. You don't see it, 
You don't understand it, but you can. This is why God's given us his word to study, to meditate. He's given us the ability to pray in the spirit and pray supernatural prayer because that's how we build ourselves up. Meditating on God's word and on the very things that will address what you are in the middle of. When you're under pressure, that's the time to start, start focusing on the Word and putting your focus beyond the pressure and onto the promise so that the energy of the Holy Spirit will take you through that pressure deal and take you all the way into that promise. That's the design of God. This is something nobody does for us. But this is something where the Holy Spirit, let's go back to that verse I mentioned to you from Romans 8.26 that we looked at. It says there that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Let me talk to you about that concept of intercession. Interceding for us, it is this concept that, that the Holy Spirit, when he finds us in a hole, He does not stand on the edge and look down saying, man, are you in trouble? That is one, that is a deep hole you're in. Wow. No, here's the idea of intercession. His intercession for us is that he jumps into that hole with us. And there takes hold together with us against our weakness and whatever the attack or infirmity is. No, he doesn't stand out and condemn us. He jumps in to deliver us. Glory to God. No, he's for us, not against us. As long as we're for him. We want what he wants. He's for us because we've decided and said it. We're for him. We've chosen what he wants. He wants our freedom. He wants our deliverance. He wants your wholeness and breakthroughs. He wants your bills paid. He wants your finances straightened out. He wants your world to start looking more like the Garden of Eden that he designed in the first place. He wants to give you some heaven on earth to go to heaven in. That's the way he works. So, child of God, we just have a choice to make about whatever wall we are circling. Now, I don't know, maybe you have been circling this wall. Maybe you're beyond the 12 or 13. Maybe you're in the, in the triple digits now. Maybe you're in the high math of how many times you've circled this wall. But God has still declared that I've given you this. I've given you this city. I've given you this king i've given you this all the power that 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 it has i've given it to you so i've come to announce this to you some of you have been dealing with something going on in your body the healing power of god is here for you the wall it comes down some of you have been dealing with things that have been in your past and that they've been drug along so that they're still in your current present situation some sort of violation of your past or some kind of uh, dark, dark part of your life, the Holy Spirit has come so that that wall comes down. And for some people, they could experience, some right this minute could experience that sudden moment, just like Joshua and all of those people in Israel did experience They had marched around all those 13 times. But then with a shout, a shout of victory, a shout of praise, a shout of the conqueror, a shout with a shout, that wall that looked impenetrable, it fell flat. And the Holy Spirit has come tonight. That's exactly what he'd like to see happen for you. That's precisely. And so I want you to stand with me, and I want us to 
I want us not to just march around it. I think maybe we've been marching. It wouldn't hurt if you marched one more time around and just declared it in the name of Jesus. In fact, we could just declare it together. Say it out loud. In the name of Jesus, the wall that has been against me, I am against it. I'm for God's plan. This wall has no right to remain. And I see it. And because I see it, I declare it that in the name of Jesus, this wall comes down in the name of the Lord. Now, child of God, you've seen it. You've marched it. You've declared it. I think it's time to shout it. I want you to shout the praise. Shout the praise to God. God, we praise you. No wall can remain. Disease has no right. That agony of my past has no place. 